I wonder what task and what questions you came in with this morning. Maybe your task is to get Easter lunch ready when you get home, and your question is, will the ham be ready or the, whatever the, the food you're serving for us that's going to be ham, I think, today? Um, what are the questions? What are the, my, my task was to ring that bell. My question was whether I would be deaf in one ear following it, and uh, that still remains to be seen. Task and questions, they're all about our lives. There's the things we do and then the things we worry about. A couple of weeks ago, I preached on the fact that God tells us the, the what to do and we have to trust him for the how, how he'll accomplish it in us. And that sort of is in the mind of these, these faithful women who go to find Jesus' body that Easter morning, that resurrection day. They are, they're coming with a task. They're coming with a task and the task is to anoint Jesus' body. The question for them is, who will roll away the stone? Who will move this giant stone that's there? Who are these three women? Well, we know one of them is Mary Magdalene. Mary was a woman that Jesus had delivered from seven demons. And because of that, she was overwhelmed with the joy of following Jesus, and she becomes one of his inner core. She's with him to the very, very end. Another person there is, we're told, is Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and those are actually the names of two of Jesus' brothers. So we can only determine that that is, in fact, Mary, the mother of Jesus that's there. And third is Salome, or some people say Salome, I don't know. But Salome is the mother of James and John, sons of Zebedee. She's the woman who asked Jesus to allow her sons to sit on his right and his left and when he comes into his kingdom. And so these three women are there, and they're, they're on their way to do this faithful task. Mark lays out for us that these women attest to the fact that Jesus not only is, is dead, but that he was crucified. They are the same women who were mentioned earlier in the text as being the women who were at the cross, standing at a distance, but they're faithfully there watching Jesus crucified. Mark then goes on in the gospel, wasn't read this morning, but goes on to talk about Joseph of Arimathea, a faithful member of the Sanhedrin, one of the, one of the elite uh, uh, religiously in the land. He asked for the body of Jesus. He takes the body of Jesus down. He sees Jesus' dead body Pilate is also in a testament to the fact that Jesus' body is, is there, is, he's dead. Also the centurion who says, surely this was the Son of God. He is a third testament to the fact that Jesus' body is dead. So then these women come. Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea, and Pilate's command, taking Jesus to the tomb where he's laid, where he's put into a stone, uh, stone tomb, hewn out of the rock. The ancient custom was that they would lay the bodies in the tombs until the body completely decayed, until there was nothing left but bones. And then the, the bones would be collected and put into a bone box. And that's how, and that's why they could recycle. See, they were early recyclers. That way they could recycle the tomb again 
which is the reason why these women want to come. It's not that they're trying to embalm Jesus' body. That's not the custom of the day. In fact, that's something the Egyptians did. The Egyptians embalmed bodies. The, the Jews just simply let the body decay. So, so these women are coming simply to anoint Jesus with, with oils and spices, with, with things that are fragrant. It's just as a, a way of sort of putting a good face on a really bad situation. As the body decays, as it rots, becomes just, just bones, at least they have shown this act of kindness. And so the women come in reverence for Jesus to anoint his body. This is ironic because back in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, we have this woman, this notorious woman, probably a prostitute, who comes and she anoints Jesus' feet with her, her with this expensive alabaster oil. She, remember, she's the woman who, who wipes his, uh, his feet with her hair, and she weeps on him, and she does this incredible act of devotion. And, and Jesus says of her, you have done a beautiful thing for me, for you have anointed my body for burial ahead of time, beforehand. So there's really no reason for these women to come to anoint the body. But there they are, putting a good face on a bad situation. I imagine there are some who gather this morning without the faith direction, just simply because they want to put a good face on a bad situation. Death comes to us all, and so at least we can have some whatever resurrection faith is. But I want you to know that, that Mark will have none to do with that. That is not what Mark is about. And so he tells us ahead of time that their task has already been taken care of and their question has already been answered. For when they arrive, they find, in fact, that the stone has been removed, it has been miraculously moved out of the way, and, in fact, the tomb is empty. These women no longer have to deal with the task that they thought they had to deal with, and they no longer have the question they had to deal with. And isn't it just like God to take the, the most profound questions of our lives, the things that keep us up at night, and in an instant, he deals with it. He just dismisses it. My wife Jody was supposed to get the, the second virus uh, vaccine, and I was so nervous about it. And the Lord just, he just dealt with every, everything I was worried about, he dealt with. And here she is, good as new. We, we, we focus on the how. We, we focus on the big stone. We focus on the, the, the and the task. And the Lord says, I can deal with stones being rolled away. Problem. In place of the body of Jesus, there is an angel. We're not told by Mark that he's an angel. Mark is extremely efficient in his economy of words. He's not like me very much. He, he really gets really right to the point. I, I, I beat around the bush a little bit more, but Mark is right to the point. There's a young man there, and he says, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's been raised. Literally in the Greek, it says he's been raised from the dead. And you, ladies, 
You faithful women, you're to go and find Peter and the disciples, and you're to tell them to go to Galilee where they will meet Jesus. They will see him face to face. A new task. Go and find the disciples and tell them. Where are the disciples? They've, they've run away. They've, they're hiding. The women are watching from a distance, but the men aren't even around. But lest ladies you feel superior, Mark, make sure you know that we're all in the Because the men may be hiding, the women are fearful and trembling, and they go away and say nothing to anyone. Wonderful Easter message, right? Their question though it is not actually in the text, but it's unspoken, it's there, is how be? How are astonished? They are confused. They are doubtful. They don't understand how it is possible that Jesus can have... And so, Mark says, they tell no one. I love Mark's gospel. I, I think, for me, it's interesting. Some preachers probably dread preaching this Mark version, but I, I love it because I love how raw and real Mark is. And this is where Mark stops. This, it's not like there's more. Scribes later on add more verses because they want to smooth it out. They want to make it sound like the rest of the gospels. But Mark just ends, as we ended today, with this startling news that that they've, they, they go away. They went away from the tomb, trembling in astonishment, for it seized them, and they, were, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. I don't know why it should surprise us that fear grips these women at the end of Mark's gospel. All through the gospel, the disciples are constantly fearful. They're fearful when Jesus comes walking on the water. They're, the people are fearful and Jesus drives out the demon from the, from the, the man, uh, the, the, the Gerizim man. They're, they're fearful of not enough bread to feed all the people. They're, they're literally af- they're afraid of Jesus when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're, they're throughout the whole gospel, they're, they're afraid. And can't we relate can't we to the fact that, that we are fearful? If anything this year has proven is that Fear easily grips the heart of even the most faithful follower of Jesus. They know Jesus is crucified. They know he's dead. They know he's been buried. And they know his body is missing. But even seeing the empty tomb is not enough to convince them that Jesus has been raised from the dead. What remains? To encounter the risen Christ. And the reason why I love it, Mark doesn't leave us out of the story. He, he re- leads us to this moment, and then he says, you go to Galilee and find out for yourself if, in fact, Jesus is raised. And, of course, the other Gospels tell us that 
they find, in fact, Jesus has been raised. There he is, alive. Paul tells us he appears to 500 people at different places. Peter testifies to it in our Acts passage this morning that, that if you believe on Jesus, your sins will be forgiven. The person of Christ must become known to each of us. We can hear the gospel, but we have to respond in faith. And in that place, we become like the first readers of Mark's gospel who lived after Jesus' resurrection. And so they never got to see the, the, the glorified, resurrected Jesus, but they believed on him and they became a part of God's incredible story. And this room is filled with people who would testify, if I let them, that they've encountered the risen Jesus. Not in bodily form, but in his life-giving spirit. And he's present in this body as we gather, which is why it is so important and so wonderful that so many of you are here together today. Because we need to be together and strengthen one another and witness to one another the risen Jesus. He is here. He is alive. Words of Isaiah 25, even while my mic is cutting out. <laughs> Behold, this is our God who became a man, who died a perfect death and was raised to life on the third day. Amen? We have a task to believe on the one whom God has sent. Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have gained salvation. And the process of resurrected life Coming, the changing, transforming power in your life has started. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And our question, our question becomes, how can we serve him? Will fear still grip us? Yes. Will doubt? Yes. Will hardships? Yes. Will we endure things that will cause our faith to be shaken? Of course. But note that it's not the faithful women or the faithful men at the end of the day that has the day. It is the Lord himself who raised Jesus from the dead. In his mercy and in his power, he alone has brought us life, and that life is eternal. And so we proclaim, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.